I I had a few dolls with heads like <laughs> in another bag. I just wanted to be a hairdresser. <laughs> This is Primers of the Essence. I'm Chloe. And I'm Lauren. Um, and Lauren, why did we decide to do this podcast? We spent, well, we lived together for three years and we spent probably two of it talking purely about how we should do a podcast, didn't we? <laughs> we did, we did. We yeah. listened to true crime documentaries, podcasts, spending evenings when we come in from nights out listening to true crime podcasts. Yeah. Um, like true students yeah we are a year like uh, well I am a year out of uni and this is this is where we've got to we're, we're in it yeah we're, we're, we're finally doing it in like at the end of uni and in the middle of a pandemic was the time we decided it would be perfect to start this podcast <laughs> which is true I think because everyone needs content don't they yeah entertainment that's what we're here to provide always <laughs> so yeah that's that is literally why we decided to do it, isn't it? That's yeah. I'm not missing it. That's literally it. Yeah, um, talked about it for months. Forever. Yeah. Um, so just to sort of, well, as the next suggestion. Um, so thought to introduce ourselves, we could talk about a little bit about like our favourite case or like something we find really interesting. Yeah. Um, do you want to go first? I can do. Um. I probably, the sort of older cases I always really enjoy. I like yeah. unsolved mysteries, love yeah. that. But I was thinking about, when we were talking about putting this in earlier, I thought about, you know, H.H. Yeah. H. Holmes and his, like, murder house. Yeah. I think that's a good one. Yeah, I always think those sort of things with, like, it just seems completely unrealistic, but the things that actually happen with all these like trapdoors and the random rooms yeah. and the passageways, I always think they're really cool. But I love a good unsolved yeah. mystery. Can't go. Yeah, wrong. don't agree there. You can't go wrong with that. No, what's yours? I think I'd have to go for like I think this is like the standard, like classic answer, <laughs> but I probably have to go with like Ted Bundy. Oh yeah, because I find that so interesting. Um, although just as we were just like talking like as you were just saying about that then Mm. I also remembered when I spent like a solid year doing my own investigative work into London assassination oh my god yeah (laughs) you made a little Um, folder for that didn't you I did yeah and I was looking at like like FBI stuff like trying to find I don't know why because it's solved but I was like I don't know do it in my own investigation there so there is that's a, also still a lot of like there's always conspiracy theories isn't there especially oh, about yeah. celebrity getting killed and stuff yeah definitely yeah I love so, conspiracy yeah. theory oh yeah that was also like a phase we went through wasn't it yeah I don't think I'm out of it but that was a real phase <laughs> yeah that was that used to keep me up at night a little bit, I must admit. We'd talk about it, and then I'd be like, 
That's what you get when you live with someone for three years and you run out of things to talk about. You get deep into conspiracy theory. (laughs) A little bit too deep. And ten episodes into a crime documentary in, like, one day. That was was an achievement. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah, that was impressive. Like, we managed to juggle a degree each and get through Netflix's content of... We literally did. I think we smashed it. We did. And now look at us. We're doing this. So we must have learned something. Oh, okay. So um, I'm going to talk about Beverly Allen. Because mm. yeah. um, we decided to do the theme was serial killers that are still alive. Yes. So. Yeah, I did that's... a few of them as well. When I was looking this up, I was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. because when, when you said about it, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that'll be interesting. But none, like, came to mind. I wasn't like, oh, yeah, that person. Because most ones I think of, like, Ted Bundy. And, yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, they're, they're gone. Yeah. Who do I talk about? But you, you forget how many are actually still alive. Yeah, and it's always interesting, I think, like, with this topic is that, you can kind of see how they've acted since because I mean yeah. mostly they'll be in prison how they act in prison and stuff which is always interesting yeah definitely I think it's it is interesting to see that and like sort of whether there was any kind of remorse yeah. as well I find it quite interesting yeah because um, often there isn't no um so that's interesting yeah um do you want to go first or do you want me to go, you go for it you're not worked out already this might be about crime. This is a crime podcast, so there's going to be some distressing content. I don't think Mine we're going to be too, like, violent, are we? Like, there's not really explicit details, but they can involve children. There can be, I mean, there are obviously murders and yeah. some detail. So if you're not yeah. up for that, or if you're under 18 and don't have permission to watch it or listen to it, don't listen to it. Yeah, we're not going to go like, many. Got to go off, like no, no, obviously being all sensitive. Yeah, bear in mind. Okay, not further ado. <laughs> I will begin. So, I'm as I said before, the who is also known as the Antiquer. Mm. Um, a little bit of. Um, then obviously where she is now. Yeah. So she is from England. She grew up in a village near Grantham in 1968. Um, so she, no, it's not that long ago. Really. No, it's not at all. It's quite scary. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she started sort of humble beginnings where that, like, her father was working in an off-licence and her mum was the cleaner at school. So she was just a, a normal child growing up. Um, she had three siblings, so there was four of them in the house. Um, and from an early age, she engaged in a lot of like behaviour that would suggest she was seeking a lot of attention. Got you. Um, so like, and this is, this is where it gets odd, because I read that she was like a bit of an attention seeker, and I thought, oh, a lot of kids are. Yeah. So I suppose you just sort of like, and she's got a lot of siblings, so you take it with a pinch of salt. Yeah. But she used to wear bandages and pretend she had like injuries. 
Oh. Um, which was a bit like, oh, that's different. Yeah. Uh, aside from that, like, she was quite, like, she was considered to be quite a respectable member of the community. Like, when she was 16, she used to, like, babysit uh, from a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and then she went on to take a course in nursing when she, like, eventually went to college. Before she didn't accept anything yeah. particularly strange. Um, apart from the people that were a bit closer to her, I suppose. Yeah. Um, because during her, like, adolescence, she started to show a bit more, like, with this attention seeing baby, she was regressive when she wasn't getting it, the older she got. Yeah. And so, obviously, that's quite a problem when you start getting stuff. Yeah. And she spent a lot of time in hospital for different, like, injuries and ailments, which, thinking about what I said before, with, yeah. So, necessarily like or um she sort of go in saying that she had something uh, like she thought there was something wrong with her when in actual fact when they did tests there was nothing mm. um one of which which I found interesting um and also very like peculiar mm. was that she went into hospital yeah and perfectly healthy appendix removed oh um, so going in like you know showing all the symptoms of appendicitis, um, and actually her appendix is fine. That's um, that's a yeah. step, isn't it? Really? Yeah, and and even from that, like she then obviously like you get quite quite a hefty scar from having your appendix removed, yeah. uh, but she wouldn't leave it to heal. She'd pick at it, so she was constantly getting. Um, and then she'd constantly have to go back to the hospital. That's so a physical that... way to get attention, isn't it? Like yeah. the fact that she's yeah. really gone. The the best way for me to get attention is to be like physically injured in some way. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's quite a quite a step. You, I suppose you can see, you know, where it starts yeah. from. You know, from bandages and that kind of thing. It it's just getting progressively worse from there. Yeah. Um. So then, obviously, it becomes even more dangerous because then. She starts when she realizes the doctor started to get wise to what she's doing because mm. uh, it's a small village and you you go to the same doctor so uh. they start to catch on. Um, so they then stopped sort of giving that attention or they called the term they like coined it that she was doctor hopping. Yeah. So she'd like if one wouldn't treat her or just like look there's nothing wrong with you I can't do anything she'd move on to the next one. Um. So she really, really wants this attention. Yeah. Uh, so then she started to sort of, all she got, she can get more like injurious behaviour. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, but you, you have, it's good for the parents and for doctors because you have to give attention to those behaviours. Yeah. Because it's dangerous, but you know that's why those behaviours are, are happening. So it's really like, yeah. it's a vicious circle. It's hard not to reinforce um, like that attitude, isn't yeah, it? I think. Definitely. Because, there's, there's no way you can, you can't ignore that kind of behaviour. Oh. Um, so it's really difficult for them as well. Yeah. Um, so she then went on to do her nursing course at college and she drew a lot of attention to herself there as well um, in the hospital because other nurses sort of caught on that she acted a bit strange. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the incidents included her smearing feet knees on the wall. Oh. So that's quite a, that's quite a step for an, for an adult. Yeah. 
to be wanting to get attention. That's big. And in, like, it's not hygiene in anything, but in a hospital. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was, yeah, quite, quite an event. And, and then she was also absent quite a lot um, again, due to illnesses and stuff, whether or not they were legitimate, I don't know. Mm. Um, yeah, her attention seeking um, of jeopardised, I think, all of her personal attention. Yeah. Um, she um, and her boyfriend claimed to be aggressive. She'd faked a pregnancy. Um, and she'd falsely accused him of rape. And you can see that those kind of like behaviours are maybe because she wasn't satisfied with the attention from him. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really hard to then who does in the world because everything she's saying. So you can sort of see where she's paved the way for, you know, wanting, she, she wants that attention. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, well, her behaviour must be pushing everyone away. You'd avoid it, wouldn't you? And then it just reinforces the fact that you need to do more and more to get that attention. Definitely. Um, But, yeah, so that's kind of before. But you can kind of see how this leads up to her then. Apart from the the attention seeking, she was pretty pretty normal. Mm. Yeah, she had a normal upbringing. Um, in the 60s, like a lot of families had multiple siblings, didn't they? Yeah, and they were big families, and parents her parents just did normal jobs. Um, interesting whether that's a result of her having so many siblings and desperately needing that attention. You do have that um, sibling complex, don't you? Like when you when you've got a lot of other kids in the house, you just you kids do act out to get attention, yeah. Definitely. I guess and this was just to the extreme, wasn't yeah. it? Oh. Yeah, so that's kind of yeah, that's sort of her background. Mm-hmm. Um and then she went on to be a nurse and she was qualified and she worked on a ward and she particularly like specifically specifically worked with children. Yeah. Um at the hospital in the village that she grew up in. Um so well, she was eventually convicted mm-hmm. of four counts of murder yeah um, on top of that was five counts of attempted murder and six counts of grievous bodily harm so she yeah she really caused a lot of damage to a lot of people yeah. she was she had 13 victims in total cool. um so yeah and this was in lincolnshire in England, so it's quite close yeah to home. very close yeah um yeah so Basically, I'm just going to go through a bit about like each of the of victims. I'm not going to like major details. No, yeah, no, that's good. What happened? So her first victim, um, Liam Taylor, was seven weeks old, um, oh. and the reason he was on the ward was because he had a chest infection, um, and she went on to murder him um, in February of 1991. Um, so her, I think. Pretty much all of her murders, there might be a few exceptions, um, but were by overdosing children on um, insulin. Yeah. Uh, so, and yeah, she was, I think the way these wards were sort of laid out as well, she would have the most contact yeah. with the children. 
um, and the parents as well, which is quite, you know, because yeah. you'd build that kind of relationship with your child yeah. for a long period of time. So her next victim was the following month, so in the March, mm. um, and he's 11 years old, and he had cerebral palsy and was admitted because he had a seizure. Um, and yeah, again, um, overdosed. Um, and then her next victim was in the following month, uh, in April, and she was two months old. Oh, God. So she was administered an incident overdose and then died two days later when she was at home. But they originally believed it was a cop death. Yeah. Um, because obviously she was at home, so there wasn't any kind of connection Yeah. Um, at the time, which is, this is really difficult kind of situation because she was one, she was a twin. Oh. Um, so her twin um, had then been admitted to the ward on precaution because her sister had died. Oh, God. Um, so they thought it was a cot death, so they admitted her to the hospital. Yeah. Um, she'd had to be resuscitated twice. Obviously, at the time, they linked it to cot death or something that had gone wrong with the twin, but it was actually because it was caused by um, an insulin and potassium overdose by Alec. Oh. But she was resuscitated. Um, and then the second time she stopped breathing, she was transferred to another hospital. Oh, which is a blessing. Yeah. But then she'd also, by that time, already suffered permanent brain damage. Um, and partial paralysis and partial blindness because of oxygen deprivation. But the bit that's quite, it's, it's really uncomfortable to sit with is that her parents were so grateful for the care that Alec had given to the, the other twin, Nikki, who passed away, um, that they made her Katie's godmother. Um, so that's quite, like, when you think about that, it's that, you know, obviously nobody knew at the time, and no. he's very grateful for the care that they're getting, but then that's quite a that's just thing to realise when you find out. Yeah. I also like the fact that she was a good enough actor to behave, do you know what I mean, in a way that around the parents of this child that you've just killed, that they're like, yeah, you know, like you did Yeah. That's mad. It is. It really is. It's like, it is a performance, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's... That's and I think it's like a lot of... further, isn't it, than just... Yeah, I mean, babies as like the first thing obviously is horrific, but to do yeah. that and then be like personable with with the parents is mad. It's, yeah, it's it is it's crazy, but yeah, it's I think it, when you you have that close connection as well that that there that I mean when I first read it I was like oh I recognise the surname and then I was like oh that's they're related and they're, they were they were twins yeah. Um, it's really scary to think that somebody can manipulate your emotions I think yeah. in such a way that you believe that they're you know really got your best interests at heart and your child's best interests at heart well they're nurses and and you know like midwives and doctors they're, yeah. they're kind of the ultimate authority yeah. that you feel like you can trust absolutely any trauma with you know police and different services like if you go to a doctor you know you're going to get treated 
Yeah, you wouldn't. You would always trust your child with like a midwife or a nurse. Hundred percent. So it's just hundred percent insane. It really is. Um, but like you can start to see with these the way that she carried out her murders, you can see this link to the attention. This like even then getting the praise from the parents. And yeah. Being my mother of the pair of, of the other twin, it's that like I'm being recognised. Yeah, it's constant prayer. Yes, 100%. Um, and that's obviously linked to like Munchausen's, which is eventually what they sort of realised mm. was of what she had. Because it, is, it was that sort of... It, 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 I always think this one's a strange one, because when you hear of other cases of people with like Munchausen's by proxy, it's usually... Typically, there's a lot of cases with parents that will like administer certain medication to oh, yeah, yeah. their kids Sick, isn't it? and then take care of them. Yeah. It's that kind of hero complex. Yeah. Isn't it? Um, but with her, it seems strange because although she does get the recognition for, you know what I mean, you almost expect her to be almost like to revive her. Yeah, like her, so so heroic like gestures and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why I find it quite puzzling with her. Um, yeah, but, it's not the it's not the most yeah. direct way to get praise and attention, is it? No, not really. <laughs> All um, the things you could do. Um, yeah. No. So yeah, um, but quite yeah. Um, and then her final victim was fifteen months old. Mm. Uh, she was in hospital. She had suffered an asthma attack. And she'd been put on a ventilator, but she was, and rightly so, because she is a nurse and she did, she was left alone in Alex's care um, for a very short period of time where she suffered a cardiac arrest. Um, and then she was resuscitated, but then died after a second cardiac arrest, again, following a short period alone with Alex. Um, so, but that was, yeah, so there was, there was four victims in total. Um, murder victim. How long was that over? That was from the 22nd of February 1991 mm. till the 22nd of April 1991. Oh, so she was just coming in. Yeah. It's not even, yeah. there's, it's just gone, she's just gone straight to like yeah. attack mode. Oh yeah, for sure. There's no kind of, and between them as well, like there's, it's just a matter of days really. Like the first one was 22nd of February, the second one was 5th of March. Yeah. Um, and then Fifth of March to the first of April, yeah, and then first to the twenty second. Because you often find like with like serial offenders that there's like a build up, don't you? You know mm-hmm. where there's I don't know like one victim and then a few months or a year and then it might all happen at once after a lot yeah. of time. But then I feel like if you if your your victims are children, there's n- there's no real consequence because they can't say anything anyway if they do survive. Exactly. Yeah. So it probably takes all looking at definitely and looking at the ages of them as well, like and even the the attempted murders as well. Yeah. And they're months old. The oldest was um, an eleven year old. Mm. Um, but even then, he wasn't in a state. He had cerebral palsy and he just had an epileptic seizure. Yeah. That he'd been for. So there was no kind of he wasn't going to be able to disclose anything for recovery really. Um, so you know you've not like seven weeks old was the youngest. It's mad, isn't that? Nothing to be able to, to, be able to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she, yeah, she went for 
she it it seemed because obviously in between the four murders that she did um, execute, execute was, was in between all of those the attempt to yeah. So they all, most of those happened in March. Yeah. So that that longer period between fifth of March to first of April. Yeah. A lot of attempted murders, um, including um, Becky's twin. Um, yeah, they were all insulin-related deaths, and it was obviously deprivation of oxygen that caused more oxygen damage as well to those that you know, couldn't, you know, they didn't get the care as quickly as they needed mm. it. Um, and there was one in particular that it just her being, I don't know, I guess it it, it adds to her being unable to cover a track. Yeah. I think. There's one, he was six years old um, and he just had an operation. So he was just on the ward recovering from his operation. Um, and the oper- the operation was to remove an air rifle pellet, which I was like, wow. And he was six years old. I was like, I don't think I could cope with that. Oh six years old. That's yeah, he'd been injected with insulin multiple times because after his operation, he had a cannula in his hand, and that's how she was administering the insulin. Oh, it's so easy, that isn't it? As well, like, yeah, because no one would know what you were doing. No, there's not even like so it's... an entry point that they can go that you know that's yeah. it because it's it's supposed to be there anyway. Exactly. <clears throat> so it's, yeah, it's very. You can see she had calculated it. Yeah. Um. As much as these are, these do seem to be very like just pretty much any child that comes in yeah. could be a victim. Um, but she's yeah very carefully thought out how she's gonna gonna do it. Yeah. Um, but but basically overall, her crimes were committed over the course of fifty nine days. That's mad. So between February and April of ninety one. Um, yeah. Yeah. She she um like administered large doses of insulin, and then there was. So when they sort of started to mm. um, was because they'd found a large air bubble in one of the other victims. Um, so it was sort of that thing of this isn't, I'm not actually sure which victim it was, but um, this isn't a result of anything that had happened, should have happened had they had an operation or were they receiving any kind of treatment. Yeah. Um, it was only going to be visible as a result of an overdose, only a nurse had administered an overdose. Yeah. So that's where kind of questions were raised, I think. Yeah. But yeah. So overall, there were thirteen victims. Um. So she's serving thirteen life sentences, and rightly so. Yeah. God. Yeah. So yeah, that is that is a brief overview of Beverly um, and it just makes you, I think it really puts you on edge because you sort of start to question who you can trust. And, God, yeah. Because yeah, that's sorry. Yeah. Like you say, you're supposed to be able to trust yeah. people in those kind of conditions. And it's scary that these things happen. Yeah, it's horrible. Imagine, like, especially because, I mean, it sounds like a lot of the, the, the babies were going in for sort of things i would imagine the parents went in thinking oh sh- you know they'll be fine like a chest infection yeah. like we'll take them in because you take a baby in for literally anything like if they're exactly. if they're pulling a temperature you would take a baby in yeah. <laughs> or some people would um literally yeah as a precaution and then, you know like all of a sudden you've you've lost your baby i just yeah. i don't know it's mad especially for i imagine like actual parents um yeah for sure 
horrifying. And I think as well, within the fact, was it 59 days, you said? Yeah, 59. It doesn't really even give anyone enough time to realise that something is wrong, you know? Like, by the time you start questioning everything and you actually put it through and you make it official and you talk to parents, um, that's it. Everything's done. I mean... Exactly. Horrible. And I I remember seeing, I think it... To be honest, I think it was a documentary we watched. Yeah. Um, but something about she she would take like leaves of absence every so often. Um, so she'd go off, and those obviously during that time, obviously you do get deaths on wards in hospital. It, yeah. it happens, but they significantly dropped on that ward when she was absent, and then when she came back in, that would start to increase again. Um, but at the time, I'm. There was, I remember seeing like when the police were talking about it, it was that thing of there were warning signs there, but they were missed because it wasn't something people were looking for. No, it's the same with I imagine like with the insulin for for a baby to overdose a baby, it wouldn't be that significant an amount. No, um, no. and you wouldn't. I don't think you'd even question it. Like if you're putting in a couple more orders for insulin, I I, I can't remember what the case is, but there's one that's like almost exactly the same but in a care home or in I think it was another yeah. or something with you know like with old old yeah. very old people and this woman was um using insulin to to overdose them and a load oh. of old people died and the reason they they started seeing that there was an issue was because of how much insulin was going missing yeah I can't imagine with with babies that that would even be significant no no, you you wouldn't like you say you wouldn't need that much, would you? And no. I suppose you know it's being used for other other reasons. Yeah. It's in the hospital, it's accessible. And if you pop down, um, you know, like a couple of extra bottles on your request or whatever, when you when they go round to get them, yeah, from the pharmacy or whatever, that that wouldn't be particularly significant at all. No, it's scary. Very. Like, how you can see, how, and I think I think things have changed. Um, but you do think like you you don't question these people, and you wouldn't think to. No, not I, I think if something happened. You know, if it was your child, it'd be well, it's unexplained, and it's happened. It shouldn't happen, but you know these things happen. Yeah, you would never suspect. I don't no. think. No, not at all. And it's one of those you don't. You don't want to have to tell people, especially, you know, new parents, that yeah. the few people that they can fully trust, they're like putting their baby in the care of, yeah. are not to be trusted at all. Like you can't live your life with a, a newborn worrying that, you know, your, your doctor or your nurse is going to do something to your baby. But the exactly. fact that that was the reality for like two months for so many parents. Yeah, it's frightening. Yeah. Horrible. Because then it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because then it's, do you just not take them in? But then if they're significantly poorly, yeah, that's going to have a detrimental effect. But then you're scared to take them in because, you know, yeah. something could happen to them then. So it's it's really hard I can't imagine how hard it was for parents no. around the time that position of power isn't it and not knowing when you've got someone so vulnerable like a baby I mean literally no defence mechanism at all 
no like there's there's literally just nothing to do is there but that makes it like incredibly horrifying the fact that this woman who clearly did need attention was getting that attention or gratification in some way from babies but she obviously didn't have the ability to she wouldn't have been able to do that to adults it is that is that control thing isn't it and and that guaranteed control I think I was just reading then as well that to this day apparently she still maintains that she isn't responsible for all 13 charges Mm. and she's only responsible for nine yeah all right right, okay right so yeah so she has she tried to you know do any pleas or anything or is she just chilling She's, I think she's in a psychiatric. Well, she was in a psychiatric. Yeah. I'm aware. Um, but she's obviously come out and said that she's only responsible for nine of the 13. Yeah. Allegedly. But that's something she's apparently stuck by from the off. Um, Interesting, isn't it? It's strange, yeah, because it's all attention based. Yeah. So you'd think that, I don't know. I just, it, 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 she's very odd in terms of like, the way she wants attention. Yeah. Doesn't to me I would expect her to have admitted to all of them, if not others that haven't happened because Well of that. you get that all the time, don't you? You get um people in prison, I mean not just murderers and stuff, just people claiming that they've done especially like notorious crimes. Hmm. Saying that they've done it even though it's impossible and yeah. they you know, even if they were in prison at the time. Because it's that attention yeah. again. Like it is. So it's weird because she could get that attention if she claimed that she killed twenty more kids that we didn't know about. Exactly. She'd be in the papers. Yeah, it's really strange, but she's so far spent twenty-seven years in mm. uh, Rampton Hospital. So she's yeah, she's still in mm. sort of psychiatric care. Uh, I did hear recently. I don't know if it was recently or it was a few years ago, but mm. she was under watch because she I think she had sepsis. Oh. Um but I assume she recovered from that because she is still alive today. <laughs> That's what if she wasn't then I would have completely ruined the sympathy. <laughs> That's one of those things as well. I always think like obviously I mean it's it's horrific but if if that had been a male nurse like yeah. would it would it be talked about more, you know? Because I have, yeah. I mean, I've heard of her. I don't know. I hadn't know. I didn't know a lot about her, but um, mm. I feel like the fact that she's still alive would be a lot more significant to people if it, yeah. if she hadn't been a woman. Yeah, I definitely agree that. Yeah, I just think it's interesting because I mean, I, I, I didn't even know that she was still alive. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. <laughs> no. Yeah, when I looked into it, I was like, oh, when she came up, I was like, oh, I didn't expect. No, but. Looking at the dates, it wasn't that long ago. Like, uh, 1991. That was six years before you were born. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Getting old. I'm just, just going to put that in there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It's not It's not that long ago at all. And it obviously there are a lot more restrictions now in terms of, you know, um, hospital treatments and stuff. But the fact that it could happen so recently in the grand scheme of things is very like very concerning very yes so um 
my dude. <laughs> I was going to do someone else for a bit. I was telling you about this earlier, wasn't I, like the other day? Yeah. Um, but I feel like you get some serial killers that have just killed so many people that you just can't cover it. Or it's, do it yeah, it's true. Yeah. Without making it seem like um, a statistic and nothing else. That's very true. Um, I moved yeah. swiftly on from whoever that was, because I've already forgotten his name, to um, Edmund Kemper. Okay. Um, he, I think it's 10 victims and they all died. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they, he killed them all. Like, there was no um, sort of survivors. He was a big boy. <laughs> he was six foot nine. Oof. And me saying he's a big boy, for everyone that doesn't know, yeah. is impressive, personally. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he was, he was very large. Um, but he was born in 1948. He had two sisters. Um, he lived with his mum because his parents had a divorce and his sisters, obviously. But his mum was and is the, the sort of primary factor in his entire life, which is a big thing, I think, sons and mums. <laughs> we don't need yeah. to go deep into that, but it, it, it's significant, I think. Um, yeah. So she was an alcoholic. She was mm-hmm. really critical of him. She um, abused him. I don't know if she was physically abusive, but she abused him. She mocked his height. She wouldn't show him affection in case she turned him gay. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, really domineering. And she, she used to tell him that no woman would ever be able to love him. Oh, so, already setting up some issues for him personally, I think. Yeah. Um, so she also, when he was 10, so very much 10 years old, she would, mm. she forced him to move into the basement of their house. Um, oh. <laughs> because she was worried that he was going to hurt his sisters. Well, I couldn't find oh. any information about that because I couldn't see a huge amount of like really, really poor behaviour when he was like that young. But it did turn pretty oh. quickly. Um, so she, Kemper thought that his mum didn't like him because she he looked like his dad, and there was a lot of family oh. issues. Um, but he started dreaming about killing his killing his mum, uh, which was significant enough for him to talk about it in interviews later. So that must have been recurring. Um, he used to play little ritual games with the dolls that his sister had, where he'd behead them and remove their hands. Although saying that, I'm pretty sure when I was younger, I I had a few dolls with their heads like <laughs> in another bag somewhere else. <laughs> Oh, I can confirm I did not. Well, just me. (laughs) Or I'd severely, I'd shave them. (laughs) Brutal. No, I just just wanted to be a hairdresser. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's better than just putting the hands on. I didn't didn't, like behead them, like with the intention of beheading them, so we're okay. Um, (laughs) It wasn't intentional. He um he used to play a game with his sisters where he would make them tie him up, like bind him to a chair, and he would he it would be called gas chamber or electric chair, and he would be blindfolded and he'd pretend to be in extreme pain and then die. 
And I can't, I didn't write it down, but I'm pretty sure at this point he was like 12 or 13. Um, this is intense childhood. Yeah, uh, it's a lot. It's it's like the stereotypical, like he will kill people. Childhood. It's like textbook. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading it. I went to like a few different pages because I was like, I need to make sure this is right because it seems a bit. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> but yeah, no. So he was. He was. Although he wasn't doing it to his sisters, he would pretend to be the one. You know, dying and stuff. But it, anyway, odd, odd behaviour. Um, classic. Another textbook uh, child absolute lunatic is the cats. He killed his cats. Oh, classic! Um, and it was violent. It wasn't like a oh, I've accidentally killed my cat. No, he like buried one alive. Oh, killed the other one and did some other stuff that I don't need to particularly go into. But it was it was violent. So after all of that, I, I imagine his mum wasn't the most happy because I'm pretty sure she found parts of the car. Oh, no. um, he went and lived with his dad for a little bit. That didn't work out. He went back to his mum and then his mum sent him to live with his grandparents on this like rural farm. Oh, I bet they were thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not sure I would send my little child that is killing cats to to my parents house you know on a farm on a farm yeah like a rural farm it seems like a bad idea yeah i just i think for their safety you you just keep your strange child at home (laughs) (laughs) so he was um at this point when this all starts he is 15 years old so this is this is a lot happening in quite a short amount of time and the first thing that happens is he has an argument with his grandma and he shoots her. Oh, no. So he shoots his grandma in the kitchen. And then he waits for his granddad to come home. And he shoots his granddad in the driveway of their farm. I think just as he got out of the car. And the re- he said the reason he shot his granddad was because he didn't want him to find his wife dead. But the reason he shot his grandma was because, quote, I just wanted to see how it felt to shoot grandma. What? So that, those are his first murders, are his paternal grandparents. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so apparently he hadn't, he really, he hated the farm. Like, he hated how rural it was. He hated his grandma, clearly. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> so after this, he called his mum which I thought was interesting that he hates his mum so much, but he kills his grandpa yeah. and is like, I'll call my mum. And asks him, asks her what he should do, and she tells him to call the police, which he did. Um, he ends up in California Youth Authority. He gets a load of tests done, you know, um, and they yeah. find that he's got an IQ of about 145, which is high, <laughs> very high. Yeah. Um, I think one of the tests showed it was 136, which is already a couple of points up, you know, from. Yeah. But another one found it at 145. And then some psychiatrists diagnosed him with paranoid schizophrenia. So that was a lot. He had all these rigorous tests and then he gets ended up being sent to a maximum, maximum security facility for mentally ill convicts. Oh, I that was a good yeah 
But everyone, all of the psychiatrists at this, well, I don't know if it was all of them, but a lot of them didn't agree with him having schizophrenia. They think that it was because they didn't know, they didn't believe it was possible for someone so young to do this without being diagnosed with something so severe, you know? Yeah. So they thought they thought he was completely aware of what he was doing and he didn't have these episodes he didn't have paranoia um so there's a little there's quite a lot of question about that um but clearly he was very he got on with people because he managed to manipulate this is bear in mind this is in a maximum security facility and they deal with mentally ill people he managed to manipulate the hospital staff and the psychiatrists into allowing him to see the assessment devices for his wow. new assessments. So he made the responses to the assessments, um, which meant he could fix all of his psychiatric test results in his favour. Professionalism. Yeah, so he got on really well with his psychiatrist. <laughs> and oh, yeah, so okay. well that he was made his assistant. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. So he was assistant to a psychiatrist. Do you think he helped him make appointments and do some tests and stuff? I think, I don't think I wrote this down, but I believe he said later that um, this meant that he could talk to, you know, some severely ill people and sort of memorise their responses to things and see how they did and improve on that again. So um, that's that. He um, was released at 21. I think he was sort of on record for a few years. And then about three years later, he was his records were like completely cleared. Um, so he didn't have to go back for any monitoring or anything or health check. So he was fine. Really? Yeah. So I think it was three, three years later. I think it's because he was a child. So yeah. he went in at 15, came out at 21. And by oh, 24, yeah. he had absolutely no record that he'd ever done this thing. So um, his psychiatrists told recommended that he didn't go anywhere near his mum for obvious reasons uh, or his family but he ended up back with his mum he went to college he got some jobs uh he was fine for a bit he applied to be a state trooper but he was rejected because he was way above regulation height um he was was 300 pounds like six foot nine he was he was large um but he started sort of hanging around with local police officers and that was like a thing that happened the police were like friendly with him a lot of them i can't remember what they called him like big ed or something um they were good friends to the point where one of the office officers gave him a training school badge and some handcuffs and let him borrow his gun that is what's happening with the police like the police are good friends with this guy um and he was fine for a while like he was chilling with his little police friends um he got hit by a car while he was on his bike and he got a load of money but he couldn't work after that because he was disabled in some way um and then he started after that he started picking up hitchhikers and letting them go and apparently he picked up and released completely like with with i don't know if he had ill intentions but he released about 150 hitchhikers without doing anything and he started doing something 
Mm, yeah. um, he had his first two victims after obviously his grandparents were two students called Marianne and Anita, and they were both eighteen. Um, wow. And they were he was he was picking up hitchhikers, so they were hitchhiking somewhere. There was nothing for a bit, and then they someone found Marianne's head. Oh, and. The beheading thing, I'm not going to bring it up much anymore, but it, it is a recurring theme through all of his murders. He did it with a cat as well. Um, uh, okay. It is, I mean, the dolls when he was younger. It's, of course, yeah. Yeah, it happens a lot. Um, so yeah, so yeah. He, they never found Anita's remains, but they did. Um, Kemper said that he, you know, he killed them both. He did like, admit yeah. to doing it. Um, he took the bodies back to his apartment, you know, decapitation and stuff and apparently admitted to you know sexual activity yeah with you know bodies and stuff which is lovely um so he kept picking up hitchhikers and murdering them basically every few months or within the month sometimes um the next victim was 15 and she was i think she's called aiko or aiko um and she was literally just heading to a dance class she decided not to get the bus and she was going to hitchhike instead and that was that was just it she usually got the bus um i know the next year right at the start of next year he shot and killed a girl called cindy this one he took the body to his mum's home and he hid it in his room because he was still with his mum at this point um he this this is a little bit explicit but not not too explicit he buried her head in his mum's back garden facing his mum's bedroom window and the reason he did that apparently was because his mother wanted people to look up to her oh no so this is this is quite clearly becoming a, a mum thing mum yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so that one is you know a lot yeah so um apparently when he was picking these people up he said that he used to i i can't imagine this being something that would persuade me to get into a car but then i was thinking i wouldn't think anything negative of it like he said that a specific trick he'd use to persuade women to get into the car was that he'd um look at his watch sigh be like you know come on I don't have time and he said that convinced wow. them they had the impression I was in a hurry and didn't have the time to hurt them oh yeah so like he was yeah like come on like I've got to go like if you don't want to come don't want to come you know which oh. when you think about it you go oh yeah like if he's rushing to go somewhere yeah um which I think is quite clever yeah i wouldn't have thought of that and if that happened to me i do think i'd be like oh sorry sorry like yeah yeah you would you, you wouldn't have time to overthink it would you i guess you, you've got to make a split decision it makes you like instantly decide what you're doing yeah so after this he picked up he used a campus parking sticker his mum had given him like i don't know why she gave it to what? him I've got no idea what their relationship was. Um, but he picked up two students at university. He'd shot them before he'd even got past campus security um, and, you know, disposed of them later. Um, so he said, this is like a quote, he said, one side of me says, I'd like to talk to her, date her. The other side says, I wonder how her head would look like on a stick. So that's that line is used in American Psycho. Um because I read it and I was like, hang on. 
Yeah. Heard that. But yeah, so he's uh, they've quoted him in quite a lot of films, I think. Okay. Um but yeah, so I he's think... quite a porker then, like about yeah. his story. Oh yeah. yeah. He is. It, it gets worse with his fucking conversations. Oh, um <laughs> uh, so at this time as well, this is just a, just a sort of general comment. There were two other serial killers in Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. That's can't say it with a British accent, can you? <laughs> Santa Cruz. Um, so it was murder capital of the world, like at the time, or named murder murder capital of the world, which is just it's just uh-huh. mad that you can have like multiple yeah. people doing the same sort of shit in the same area. Yeah. Yeah uncomfortable so um last two murders so he had a fight with his mum on good friday while she was sleeping he very violently attacked her um i mean it can be read up on but it was a lot it seemed a lot more violent than his other attacks which would make sense if they were sort of surrogate attacks mum you know and he also removed her her voice box um, and threw it away separately, which he thought appropriate because apparently she bitched and screamed at him so much over the years. Oh, this is very intimate, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's personal, isn't it? It's a lot. It's very... he's he's got some very specific um, grievances, I think. Yeah. Um, he also after he hid her body, he invited his mum. I don't know why he did this. He invited his mum's friend to the house and then strangled her. Um, oh. So that was his last murder. Oh. So Kemper has said that he targeted women because they reminded him of his mother and his overall hatred for them. Uh, he said during an interview, um, there's a lot that leads into it happening, but that's what happened. They represented not what my mother was, but what she liked, what she coveted, what was important to her, and I was destroying it. Oh. After that, he fled, he called the police, and these are the police, remember, <laughs> that are his friends. Yeah. So he called oh, the police yeah. and they did not believe him. They thought it was a prank. They were just like, eh, like okay, if you say so. Um, did not believe that he could be a killer. Like, this is Big Ed, their good mate that he they let borrow their gun <laughs> from. Like, um, eventually they go and pick him up and realise that he's telling the truth. He was charged with eight counts of first-degree murder and found guilty. Um, the judge asked him what his punishment should be which I still think is a bit of an odd question to ask a murderer. But, um, he said that he believed he should be tortured to death. Um, he received eight life sentences and he's at California Medical Facility. And he has actually, he's waived his right to parole he- hearings, um, which is interesting. I think he's not weird. Yeah. His lawyer said, um, again, quote, his feeling is that, and this is his belief, no one's ever going to let him out, and he's just happy. He's just as happy going about life in prison, like <laughs> which sort of oh. in the prison system. I think yeah. just chilling and loving life, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, last few bits. Um, so he was interviewed multiple times while he was in prison. Um, he was int- interviewed by a psychiatrist, and they would be locked in the room alone with a panic button under the table in case there were any issues, or if they wanted to leave, you know. Um, apparently, Kemper said, you know, has it ever dawned on you that I'm a foot taller and weigh damn near twice what you do? Um, when the psychiatrist hit the panic button, it took seven minutes for the guards to respond. Oh. Yeah. 
Um, another time, an FBI agent was interviewing him. He hit the panic button and the guards just did not respond. Apparently, Kemper said, if I went apeshit in here, you'd be in a lot of trouble, wouldn't you? I could screw your head off and place it on the table to greet the guard. And it took the guards 30 minutes to enter the room. What were they doing? I have no idea. They clearly did not think he was a threat at all. No. Um, which is mad. So, yeah, I mean, all of the targets were women. Um, they were mostly hitchhikers. It was a lot of psychiatrists thought that there might have been some cannibalism as well um and then i thought you'd find this bit interesting i just put it in as an extra for you personally um, oh, thank you so he was in the same prison block as charles manson for a period and a serial killer called herbert mullen um herbert killed 13 people in the early 70s he was pretty little as well like <laughs> not that that makes quite a contrast, difference then. but yeah in contrast it was it was pretty different um yeah. Kemper apparently was incredibly manipulative if that wasn't already obvious and intimidating and disliked Mullen because quote he was a cold-blooded killer without good reason <laughs> so Mullen used to sing <laughs> and bother people when other inmates were watching tv and that was like his thing that he did to irritate people. So Kemper would throw water on him whenever he sang and give him peanuts when he was, a, quote, a good boy. And wow. Mullen asked Kemper's permission to sing. Wow. So he literally trained the serial killer to ask permission to sing whenever he wanted to sing. That is quite something, isn't it? Like that, you can understand his IQ yeah. being as high as it was but is quite like well he talked about it in detail as well like you know what that's called you know he was like talking about the training and um yeah. he obviously like the fact that this is just someone who'd pissed him off and he thought yeah. he didn't have a valid reason for killing people and he was training him with water and peanuts just just blows my mind crazy. yeah so he's just chilling he's way like i said he like waived his parole hearings all that sort of stuff he's not bothered about coming out he's um recorded wow. he was also like leading this group there's a group of inmates that record audio books for for the blind oh, and apparently he was <laughs> i didn't apparently he was leading that and he recorded about 5000 hours um oh. so he was i mean apparently he was like a model prisoner um or he is a model oh, I suppose if you I suppose if he's not bothered about coming out, then... Yeah. So he's um, chilling. He was helping. He was still being his assistant to a psychiatrist and logging in inmates for <laughs> appointments and stuff. And he was reading his audio book. Um, and I think the only time he's had, like, a file, I don't know what you call it, when you've got an issue with an inmate, was because he didn't uh, complete a urine sample or something. And that was literally it. No, so not anything you'd expect. No. Like you'd expect like aggression or something, yeah. wouldn't you? No, apparently he's perfect. <laughs> weird, isn't it? Really weird. I just think that sort of thing is interesting because, I mean, in the whole, you know, you always look at upbringing. Like, yeah. what would he have been like if he had a normal mum? Yeah. Because that, everything, I mean, every single murder. It's just centred around her, isn't Yeah. It? I was quite surprised when you said that, like, the last murder was his... Yeah, mum's friend. I don't understand that one at all. Yeah, I mum do not get that one whatsoever. I couldn't see much about it either online. I think especially because like he invited her around. Yeah, it wasn't like she just dropped by. No, I understand. She just came in. 
there must be something there with that particular friend that had bothered him. Yeah. But you'd think if if this is all because of your mum, you would think your mum would be the last, you know, the last one. Because he then did call the police. It's it's like he was done. Yeah. He'd like worked up to it. And you think that I would, I honestly thought that was going to be it. Yeah. That was odd. Yeah, I thought that was really weird. I I thought for that I'd like done it wrong chronologically, you know, like when I was sorting through them. But no, it doesn't make any sense to me that that would be his last one. Yeah. He obviously had no intention of trying to get away either. Like he literally fled and then called the police. Um, yeah, he was. He wanted to be caught. Yeah. So you'd think that would last one would have been his mum because I mean it's it started there, didn't it? And it was going to end there, but no, just an extra one. Yeah. There must have been some something to do with that. Yeah, there doesn't be a connection with, with her. Yeah. Something that's happened. Yeah. So, yeah. I just think oh. it's, it's, I don't know. It's one of those weird things. Like, you can see he's like the stereotypical, you can't be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> happened. But, like, why didn't he just kill his mum? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's such a build-up to be picking up you're very young women. I mean, as young yeah, as fifteen. Yeah. Um, With no them. Although that happens a lot, doesn't it? People, there's a lot of issues between families that get taken out on other people. Other, yeah. I just, I think it's weird how, and I think it's a lot of people like it, but how he can clearly turn it on and off. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Obviously, like, just chilling. Yeah. And being like, like well behaved. Yeah. Um, because that's the perfect environment. If you are just wanting to take, like, you know, describe the world, that is the perfect environment. You should be trying to do that. Yeah, yeah. So it's weird. I think it's weird with the, like, you know, like the interviews, because yeah. I don't think he would have done anything. It was obviously like yeah. the fact that he could intimidate these people was, was good for him. Like, he enjoyed that. Um, yeah. But what, what were the guards doing? That's that's really weird. Thirty minutes. Because, like you say, they obviously weren't taken seriously. No. no, I think they just. I don't know if maybe he got on with them. I don't know. Well, he did with the police, didn't he? So perhaps he did the same with them. Yeah, and the fact that he clearly—I mean—he would threaten these people and then not do a thing. Um, yeah. And he knew that he was locked in with these with this person and there's a panic button like I'm, I'm sure he knew about the panic button yeah um, definitely. it's interesting I think it's just power play isn't it really it is it's all like about control isn't it? yeah for him like yeah. you can sort of see what the motivations for these people are like because like you know like with Alec it was quite clearly attention but with him yeah. quite clearly being able to have control over people oh yeah in every aspect of his life yeah it's it's a lot yeah and I think with him it's, it's his intelligence he's you get that a lot, don't you? You when because yeah. I mean a lot of killers and serial killers and stuff they are they have got quite high intelligence yeah. and that that power you can have over someone that you think is less intelligent than you is pretty yeah. obvious. I mean it's very obvious with him. Gets really obnoxious comments. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I've never heard of him before either. So that was really interesting. Yeah, he. I think because he. I can't remember what the shows. I mean American Psycho and there was a couple of others. Um, and I, they always tell you, don't they? They're like sort of copy from real people, yeah, like loosely. Um, but I wouldn't have known that it was him. Um, I feel like he's it's more famous from like American Psycho and stuff like that. Core crimey, that's it, 
We'll see you next week for another episode of Crimes of the Essence. Well, we've we've done it. We've done it. Completed the first instalment. I don't know episode. I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. First episode. That's the one episode. That's hard to. Yeah. Um. So we haven't actually agreed on a theme for next week. No, we haven't. I I say next week. Whenever we do it next. Next week. Next week. After we edited this one. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, but yeah, we'll um. Doesn't yeah. sound good that we've got an editor? I'm <laughs> professional. Very professional. <laughs> look, we got a cheeky shout out there as well. Yeah, a little shout out. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll be back. Yeah, so we'll, yeah, we we'll agree on a theme and be back. Yeah, episode two. <laughs> That's commitment. Yeah, two days. We're, we're in it now. We'll be back. you got to do your outro. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. Oh, what a letdown. Oh, we didn't <laughs> rehearse this. <laughs> no, I know. Well, what it is? Yeah. Oh, okay. Which bit are you doing? Oh, no, I don't know what it is. Oh. Oh, never mind. Maybe we're not thinking about the same thing. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to you on an outro. <laughs> yeah, we'll get um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I do remember it now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the bit the one I was thinking of was core primate. That's a bit culty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go on. <laughs> you do that. I'm not doing it on my own. You do it and then I'll say we'll see you next week for another episode of Crime is of the Essence. Oh. Okay, alright. You ready? No. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> okay.